This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation. Another two hours to go right here. Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Demon Cotton in the home studios. Your boy Q uh, at the house. In my home studio as well as uh, had a very, very busy morning leading to a very busy afternoon, which never allowed me to go into the radio station. But uh, still, we're here to make it happen, make it do what it do for the next couple hours. Coming off the heels of JT the Brick, who had a very good interview earlier with the uh, new Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels. Very excited about that. Uh, thought about playing that interview over again, matter of fact, on the show today just because it was so stinking good. But um, by a lot of a turn of events that have happened today, realize we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> and, and really, we really run out of time almost each and every show. And today will be one of those where you look up and the show is over and I'm wondering, what happened to all the time? So uh, we're going to jump right into it, man. we got a lot to get to on this show on this February 1st, 2022. We are 12 days away from Super Bowl 56 in L.A. And Raider Nation Radio 920 will be there at the L.A. Convention Center. Very excited about that opportunity. We get to bring you the radio station's very first experience on Radio Row. And I'm telling you, when I say we're going to go hard in the paint, we are going to go hard in the paint. Myself and JT the Brick will be there live and uh, doing a lot of great work for Raider Nation Radio 920. Very excited about that opportunity. But coming up on today's show, we got Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. He's actually in Mobile, Alabama right now at the uh, Senior Bowl. Uh, we talk about the Shrine Bowl. It's going to come up on Thursday from Allegiant Stadium. That is one of the best all-star showcases for players that are trying to get into the NFL and showcase their skills in front of a lot of uh, scouts and head coaches across the league. That's here in Las Vegas in our backyard, but one of the uh, one another storied uh, all-star game is the Senior Bowl. And so Trevor Sikama, he's there. He's going to give us a skinny. I'll ask him a few uh, questions about guys that not necessarily certain players, but positions that the Raiders may be looking at uh, coming up in the draft, like offensive linemen, uh, like corners. Uh, talk about the quarterback class. Not saying that the Raiders are looking for quarterbacks, but just looking at the quarterback class because we know that this draft has been considered one of the weaker quarterback classes. So can there be someone who makes a name for themselves Senior Bowl week? Matter of fact, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr made a name for himself senior bowl week. And uh, that was one of the main reasons why the Raiders uh, drafted him in the second round was because of what he was able to do that week in Mobile, Alabama. I remember it was very windy, and he showed the arm strength that he can get it done in the wind. And I, I know that, and I know that might sound little, but that was one of the big highlights. Like, hey, this quarterback has the arm strength. He has the uh, accuracy to throw the ball through. Uh, tough, swirling winds and still get it done. And I remember he, he really impressed a lot of folks that week at the Senior Bowl. So uh, we'll talk to Trevor Sikama coming up at 2.30, all things Senior Bowl. Then on Tuesdays, we always have the general, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He'll join us at 3 o'clock. And, boy, I could probably do an hour with John McClain coming up for today with all the storylines that are in the league between Tom Brady officially retiring after 22 seasons in the league, uh, with all the coaching hires, including uh, Josh McDaniels for the Raiders, Dave Ziegler as the GM, uh, what else is going on across the league as far as coaching hires, and guys that aren't getting hired as far as the coaches go in the case of Brian Flores, who uh, now has a, a lawsuit against the NFL. And please believe we're going to get to that in a hot minute. But there's so much to talk to about 
with John McClain. That'll be a fun conversation that we'll have at 3 o'clock. And everything that we don't get in with John McClain, we'll talk with uh, Ari Merov about. Uh, he's a, He does pro football focus as well. He's a really good insider. We'll get some ideas on who maybe potentially Josh McDaniels is looking at for defensive coordinator uh, for the team, who he's looking at as offensive coordinator, what he's hearing from league circles about the Josh McDaniels hires. Uh, so we got a lot of really good guests coming up on the show, but uh, at 3.30, Ari Mayrov, will, uh, he'll close things out. John McClain at 3 o'clock and then Trevor Sikama at 2.30. So uh, we got a lot to get to, Raider Nation. We're going to try to squeeze you in, your calls and texts in as much as possible, uh, 702-365-9200, and then a Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r We're going to try to get those in as much as possible. But right now it is time for us to jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So today's opening drive has changed in my mind multiple times, but uh, the latest news that we just found out, and I heard JT the Brick closing out his show talking about it, is former Miami head football coach Brian Flores suing the NFL, suing the Giants, suing the Dolphins, and the Broncos for alleged racism in hiring. He includes text messages from Patriots head coach Bill Belichick in the suit as evidence. Uh, the lawsuit was filed in Manhattan federal court seeking unspecified damages from the NFL. So that is huge. That is huge because whenever you're in one of these businesses that is not something that just anyone can do, when you're a, a, a special type person in this scenario, a head coach, and you sue somebody like the NFL, most likely you're suing yourself right out the league. So with Brian Flores uh, alleging this racism in hiring, and this really goes back to the Giants and uh, what they did with their hiring and going and hiring Brian Dayball and this text message that I'll say this, everyone's talking about, I can't believe Bill Belichick texted him uh, what he texted him with, basically congratulating him for getting the Giants job and, and thought he was texting Brian Dayball. That, to me, feels very suspect. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. I don't know. I just feel like that that's, that's very suspect. Like, all of a sudden, Bill Belichick, of all people, texted – Brian Flores and thought he was texting Brian Dayball. I know that that kind of thing could happen. I'm sure many people have texted the wrong person on, uh, at times, but he had a conversation with Brian Flores before he realized it was Brian Flores. So to me, that's very suspect, but that's some of the, the big evidence that is going on in this scenario. And so Brian Flores is basically saying he was in New York interviewing with the Giants just to satisfy the Rooney rule, and it was a sham. Matter of fact, Bill Belichick was, was uh, already giving the credit to Brian Dayball for getting the job before Brian Flores had even gone in to interview, which was on a Thursday. So, again, it goes back to uh, me just looking at that text message exchange and thinking, eh, it's a little suspect, but okay. I wanted to bring this up today because myself and Damon, uh, my guy who's in the studio right now, had a very spirited conversation last week about the Rooney rule. And I said, and I've maintained, and God is my witness, and, and I know everyone hasn't been listening to me on the radio for years like my mom has, but my mom will, will swear to you. And she knows, she knows from day one, I've always said I've hated the Rooney Rule. And I'll go to my grave and say I hated the Rooney Rule. I had a co-host in ESPN Central Texas that uh, you know, said something about the Rooney Rule one day, and I said it on the air that I, I couldn't stand it, and he was shocked. Super surprised that I would say something like that, and it took me to explain it and break it down why I hated it, that it made sense to him. But there's still a lot of people that think it's a great thing and the NFL is doing great things by forcing, and I use the word force because that's what they're doing, forcing teams to interview minority candidates before they make their hire for head coach, GM, or whatever. And I'll say this, the days like today is what makes me so proud to be a Raider fan. It really does. Because the Raiders never, ever, ever needed a rule to hire anybody. They, have, they make me so proud on days like today 
And I don't care if they hired John Gruden quick, fast, and in a hurry <clears throat> last time before, after Jack Del Rio was let go. Mark Davis had his guy, so I had no problem with that. But the Raiders have shown no doubt that they have no problem with hiring anyone or giving anyone a job based off what they look like or what, you know, what kind of gender they are. All they care about is can you get the job done, which is what it should be about. So I salute the Raiders. I know everyone's not thrilled about the new hire with the Raiders. That's fine. But today, Raider Nation, you should salute your team because they don't need any sham of a rule to go out and hire anybody. And, oh, by the way, no, no disrespect to the Roonies. It shouldn't be called the Rooney rule anyway. We all know it should be the Al Davis rule. But Brian Flores has to file a lawsuit because of this. And now, most likely, his coaching career is going to be over. If, if I'm Josh McDaniels, I'd be like, man, man, you want to be the defensive coordinator? <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome. I, I would love that. But I'm not, hey, I'm not, I'm not in that position. I, I don't, whatever he does with his staff is what he does. But I would love if he just reached out and said, hey, man, you want to be the defensive coordinator? That would be great. Come on. We got a spot for you in Vegas right now. That would be awesome. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'd be great with that. But this is just another example of why, in theory, you know, I know that the NFL and I know that they're attempting, and I say this in air quotes. I know you can't see me, but I say this in air quotes. They're attempting to right the wrong that is not enough minorities in coaching, in general manager. And, look, there's a couple in the, in the NFC North now. You know, there was a couple of GMs that were hired, which is great. That's fantastic. But the rule is not going to change the game. The rule is not going to change what the landscape looks like. The only way that the landscape is going to change, and this is what my argument was, was, was attempting to, to make last week, is until the people making the decisions on the hiring change and they change their mindset and they open up to a different way of thinking, that's the only way things change. I use myself for example all the time because I'm the only person I know. I just know me. I can never answer for anybody else. But I had someone tweet at me and say, hey, you know, uh, Brian Flores just shot himself in the foot, you know, because now he's never going to coach again. And who wants to, you know, work for a who wants to work for a team that, you know, was forced to hire them because they're a minority anyway? And that's the point. And I said, you're right. You hit it on the head. You're right. None of us want to work for someone because they were forced to hire us. And for that matter, I, and I've said this many times, that people think that I'm spitting in the face of, of the NFL attempting to make a, a change. I've said I don't want to even interview. If I'm not really in, under consideration, if you're just bringing me in because of the tone of my skin, no thanks, I'll pass. You know, similar to DeMond, what you were saying last week or even earlier this week about, hey, Brian Flores, if he's not going to be a head coach, he should just sit, sit it out. He said no thanks. That's how I look at the, hiring, the, the Rooney Rule interview. If I feel like that there's not really a shot, or if I go into that interview like Brian Flores clearly did, went into this interview with the Giants and realized that that was a BS interview and that it was a sham, I don't even want to be there. Why am I there? Don't, don't make a mockery out of me. Don't use me because of my skin tone. Talk to me because you respect me and you think that I have something to bring to the table. And I, I, I told this story a long time ago, and it's funny because it's so simple, but this is just how I feel. I don't ever want something given to me because not, not something that I didn't earn. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want, I don't want someone to give something to me because I had to be and moan about it, and I had to complain, and I had to argue and fight before I was able to get it. Like, I don't want to see all of a sudden some team run, rush out and say, hey, Brian, you could be our head coach, and, and feel like because he threw this, this lawsuit at the NFL, that's why they decided to make him the head coach. Like, I wouldn't want to be that. I wouldn't want to be that guy. And when I was little, when I was a young dude, a little Q, and I know that, Damon, you're going to be in the studio and you're going to laugh when you see, see where I go with this. But I promise you this is a perfect example. 
I played I played baseball, right? I was the baddest dude in the in, in the in the baseball league. I played in San Ramon, California. My very first league of, year of playing baseball. I was the baddest dude. Leadoff hitter, stealing bases, everything, right? I was great. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just telling you the truth. I was great. All-Stars came around. Guess who wasn't on the All-Star team? Me. I wasn't on the All-Star team. And everyone in the league knew I was supposed to be on the All-Star team. Why isn't Q on the team? Why isn't Q on the team? Coach didn't want me. You know why the coach didn't want me? Because of the tone of my skin. And that's not me crying. That's me telling the truth. Didn't want me because of the tone of my skin. So after a lot of being and, and moaning about it and complaining and arguing and fighting and talking to whoever I could fight or, or argue with about why I wasn't on the All-Star team, somehow I was the last guy on the team. All of a sudden they selected me and put me on the All-Star team. And you know what happened? I never played. You know why I never played? Because they never wanted me on the team to begin with. They just did it as charity. I don't want charity. Matter of fact, to the point of my mom couldn't go to one of my games. She was going to drive me to the game, but she had to work overtime. So she said, can you call the coach? I called the coach. Coach, can you come pick me up? Yeah, I got you. Sit outside and wait for me. I'll be there at a certain time. Okay. I sat, and I sat, and I sat. And I promise you, if we still lived in that house, I'd still be sitting. Never showed up to pick me up for the game. You know why? Didn't want me to play. I was charity. You don't want charity. I, I've earned this. I've earned this. Don't, don't make me a charity case. People ask me why I got a chip on my shoulder. No joke. Me in that baseball scenario and that and that that experience gave me a chip on the shoulder. That probably hurt me to my heart more than anything. That I earned a spot on this team and this coach didn't want me. Then after they gave me a spot on the team, didn't want to play me. And then when I finally got into the game and like our last game, I uh, I get a base hit, I get on first base, and a guy comes up behind me and takes my helmet. And I said, Coach, I can't use this helmet. I can't see. He said, all you got to do is run. Just put your head down and run. I couldn't even see where I was running. Next guy gets a hit. I ran, and I just kept on running. I wasn't – look, I'd still be running if I could. They threw me out at third, but it's cool. And you know what my mom did? She went and cussed that dude out after the game and said, oh, you ain't got to worry about him playing for you no more. But that's when I experienced the biggest experience that I needed to know, that you never want charity. And they're trying to make this a charity. And now they're even taking it to the level of, oh, if you hire a GM, you're going to get a draft pick. Are you saying you got to bribe me? You got to bribe a team to, to hire a guy? I don't want that. That's why I say the Rooney Rule is a sham. Now, is it something that's needed because of the climate that we're in? Sure. But if it's just going to be a box that people are going to check, what are we doing? That's my point. That's why I hate the rule. I hated it when they implemented it. I hate the rule right now. And now there's a guy that's basically going to probably sacrifice his career in coaching because he's tired of it. He's just tired of it. Doesn't want it anymore. And he's willing to sacrifice himself for the sake of others moving forward. And I don't care how anyone feels about Colin Kaepernick. No one, you don't have to like him. I get it. But we all know he got blackballed out of the league. We all know that. And he was willing to do the same thing. Now, I'm not agreeing with everything he did because he, he made some messed up steps along the way. I can definitely agree with that. But basically, it's the same thing. He was tired. He was tired. Charity sucks. Nobody should have to be a charity case. And Brian Flores is done with it. And that's why I hate the Rooney Rule. Damon, I know you have a lot to say about this. What are your thoughts when you see the the case, the filing. What are your thoughts now on the next step for Brian Flores? All right, first, you know, I was jotting down a couple of bit of a notes here. First off, the Bill Belichick thing, when you said it was suspect, nah, 70-year-old, got two Brians in his phone, I can see him making that mistake. 
Possibly. That's, yeah. first, that's first of Possibly, all. Possibly, I can see that. And yeah. then he realizes he's like, oh, this is the wrong brain? Because I feel I have that, I feel like I have that trouble a little bit myself. So I can definitely see a 70 year old man <laughs> okay. that would make that mistake. Okay, that's But did first. you have a whole conversation no. with him first? Because he had a whole conversation to the point where Flores was like, I don't interview till Thursday. And then he said, Hey, who are you trying to get? Dayball or Flores? I do. Come on, cute. I, old people now own okay. these phones. I'm telling right. you. Hey, man. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm old, so I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that, but okay. <laughs> like, if my dad had another demand in his phone, I bet he could, I, I could see it. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's first of all. But second of all, getting serious, like into the lawsuit matters. I do think that it is important, and I, this is one of those things where, in hindsight, I know it's weird for you to look at it. You're going to disagree with me here. Hey, this is it's good that the Rooney Rule is in place because of what he found out here, that he was just being interviewed just for the charity of it all. And I don't think that it's charity when black candidates, it's not like it's just someone who says, hey, I'm black, I like football, why can't I coach? No, these are qualified candidates. And if it's up to me, and I know you will disagree with this strongly, if everything is equal on paper, the resume, the years they've put in, their coaching experience, black candidate and a white candidate, yeah, I want you to give it to the black candidate. If everything is all equal, we're not talking about Brian Flores as if he is someone who's just, oh, man, he stunk up the joint everywhere he's been. That same credit and that the, the benefit of the doubt that we're giving Josh McDaniels on his resume, I think that should still that should be extended to Brian Flores as well. And this is nothing against Josh McDaniels and Brian Dayball. He deserved that job in New York. He did nothing wrong. But for us to say that, oh, like, it's charity, I don't think it's charity. I just think that black coaches want a chance. And I had someone come at me on Twitter and say, oh, you need to be looking at the ownership. Yes, that is also a problem. And, yes, we know that. Because you can't – people want to hire people that look like them or people that they can relate to. Nathaniel Hackett got the Denver job. Father, former coach in the league, where it's just he's been a part of this. He's grown up in this. He's known these people. He knows how to organize. It's a community. Yes, he, a know, community. he knows these rooms. It's a community, yeah. That's, that's the and thing. And those that's... are the problems that, yes, we need to fix, but it's not something that's going to happen in the blink of an eye. Right. So you do need steps like the Rooney Rule. I, get, so I understand maybe, that. I so understand you need that. Brian Flores to bring up this lawsuit. I under, and then I know. it can en- en- enact change. And it's not going to be, you know, next year – Five years, ten years from now, it may be something that's long term. That, that I, like, I understand just, what you're saying. To be put in motion. I understand what you're saying. All I'm saying is, until the people that are actually making the hires change their way of thinking, it's not going to matter. That's all I keep telling you. Everything you're saying is you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Now I'm not going to just give a guy a job because he's black, or I'm not going to just give a guy a job because he's white. I mean, that's not. I want to get the best guy, you know, for the job. That's what I want. I don't. I don't care what you look like. I just want. Ultimately, what do the Raiders want to do? They just want to win. So they want a guy that's going to help them win. But until the ownership or whoever is making the hire changes the way they think, no rule is going to matter. That's why I'm saying that's why the Vikings, who have a minority as a GM now, and the Bears, who have a minority as a GM now, guess what? They're not going to look at a guy and say, oh, he's black. I'm not going to bring him in. No, they're going to give him a fair shake. But there's not enough of people that that are in the hiring position that are going to make a difference until they start changing. So you got to give credit to the Vikings. You got to give credit to the Bears for going ahead and making a hire that they felt was in the best interest of their team. And now they'll probably moving forward have more open and honest discussions about real candidates instead of sham interviews like Brian Flores got in New York. Yes, and also something that I would like to point out, just because if someone, a black or a minority, is in place to now have hiring power in an organization that doesn't mean that they that they just automatically should just hire black people if jim harbaugh comes out and he's the best candidate in minnesota jim harbaugh deserves that job right. because i feel like it gets conflated a little bit oh man you get a black person in there they just gonna be hiring everybody black 
Well, you just said that you would. So oh, no, I, I mean, oh, you no. just said that oh, you no. would. So oh, you no. kind of gave him enough uh, evidence. <laughs> oh man, I'll, I'll, I'll say it a hundred percent. Two twenty. You can mark my words. If it was ever a situation, hey man, Demond, we're thinking about hiring you. We got a got another candidate. The only thing that's different is you black. Give it to me. I'll say it. <laughs> that's no fine. shame. That no, that's fine. That's fine. We had a text on the Salmonash text line. Why is your biggest issue? Uh, seem like the rule, Q. The issue is with Goodell and NFL ownership, not the rule. My biggest issue is that there has to be a rule. That's what it is. My biggest issue is that there has to be a rule. There shouldn't have to be a rule. If you have to force someone, and this is what you're doing, if you have to force someone to interview you, that's not legit. That's my point. And until people are in power that don't need a rule like Mr. Davis back in the day, Al never needed a rule. There was no rule in place to say you had to interview Art Shell or you had to interview Amy Trask or you had to interview Tom Flores or you had to do this, that, and the other. There was no rule for Al. He just did it. Until you have more people that are thinking forward like Al was thinking forward, you're not going to have an even playing field. That's my problem. It's not necessarily that there's a rule. It's the fact that there has to be a rule. That's my problem. But also, I just have to counterpoint, but if there is no rule, there is no steps being put in place to see that change that we all want to see. It doesn't force any change. It doesn't, you're not, no one's going to hire someone because they feel like they're forced to. They're going to hire who they're comfortable with. I do, but I do think that when people come around, Johnny Cochran back in like 02, and then like we see Brian Flores now, when you say we're going to sue you because we just think that this is just so wrong, I think that that gets the NFL to sweat a little bit. They didn't settle with Colin Kaepernick for no reason. Okay. But so, do you think that the NFL, just on their own, we yeah, we all want to live in a perfect world where hey, there's no crime, there's no racism, but that's just not the world that we live in. So there I, have to be measures in place. I understand, but it doesn't. What does this rule in place force anyone to do besides interview someone and check a box? Is my question. Name one person that you know was hired. Be- on the merits of they were interviewed because of the Rooney rule. I know you, because last time we disagreed. I'm just about asking. This. You had Mike you know, Tomlin. He Mike was, Tom, he was, so, okay. No, so you're he, telling he me hired, Mike Tomlin got, got hired, hired because. In, he got hired in 05 and 06. The Rooney rule was already enacted in the league by then. Okay. So he was uh, a Rooney rule interview or he was a guy that was qualified and went and got the job. He's because guy, obviously the Pittsburgh. All these people are qualified to I, get the job. I know. And that's why there shouldn't need to be a rule. Exactly. You're, you're, you're talking my language. Yeah, we're agreeing on like every all of these black candidates that are going or any of the minority candidates. You've been in these NFL circles. It's not someone. Yeah, I've been coaching for two years at my local high school. I know, so but they, what you're missing the point, Demond. The rule, and this is and this is. I don't know if this is just your young mind blocking out common sense or what. It's not changing anything because there's a rule. There's not changing anything at all. And now a man has to sacrifice his coaching career, most likely. Unless there's some open-minded co- um, owner that says, hey, we, we don't care what you look like. We just want a hell of a coach, which Brian Flores is. That's, that's, my, that's the point I'm trying to make to you. Yes, there needs to be more diversity. Yes, you want to get these guys in front of everyone and interview. Yes, yes, yes. But this, this is not the way to do it because it doesn't, it's not proving anything. Look at all the recycled names. Look at all the people. I sent you an email right after the conversation that we had, and I said, look, 
there was a guy, no joke, there was somebody that writes for the 49ers. I'll, I'll pull up the email if I have to. There's a guy who writes for the 49ers, and he said, oh, the Raiders are going to have D'Amico Ryans in uh, following the Rams in, uh, and, and, and 49ers game. And he said, they already had Gerard Mayo in. We know that was a Rooney Rule interview. That's what they think. That should not be part of the conversation. That was someone who's proud enough to put his name on an on a article that he wrote, and he said, without any hesitation, Gerard Mayo is just a Rooney Rule interview. And that's what Brian Flores is saying that his interview with the Giants were. That's why there's a problem. Like A.W. just said, my man Aaron just said on Twitter, simple answer, are there more black head coaches than GMs because of the rule? The quick answer, hell no. That's my point, Demond. That's all I'm saying. Okay, but I feel like we can argue and debate about the rule, but I feel like once we get so bogged down in the rule. I'm not that, even worried about the rule. Okay, I'm worried yeah, about you, the you results. Don't want the, yeah, you don't want there to be a rule in the first place. I don't. But, yes, we need to be more frustrated about the fact that the NFL just keeps passing up qualified blackhead coaches. And no rule in place, no rule in place. I'm more worried about how to get that change. And if you're saying, okay, let's get rid of that I, rule. I, I don't know. know. I told you. I, don't I told know you what it's going to it's more black coaches. I told you what it's going to take. I already to answer, our frustrations. I already answered the question. You're, see, again, it goes back to listening. The best talker is the best listener. All you have to do is listen. I told you how the rule, how it's going to change. You have to change the decision makers. The decision makers. Okay, are the so how one, do we get the d- new decision makers? Where it's just that's the bottom line. That's okay. the million dollar question. That's what I've been trying to solve and what I've been I'm trying to tell you. With you, See, that, no, you're not listening to me. Oh, I'm, I'm listening. agreeing with you on that as well. Okay. That if we don't have the people in place, that's why I said like I was trying to make the joke about like oh you just hire black people they're just gonna hire black people but yes you need someone to hire these people as we see I think what is it six six GMs now that are minorities. But, yes, you need to hire those people. So you can't just flip up and make every owner who's not willing to hire black people in their front office or in their coaching staff. You can't make them sell their team. No. So if that's the end. Of, if it was just, hey, we can't make them sell their teams. Well, let's just give up. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not okay with that. I understand it's not giving up, but the rule doesn't do anything. The rule doesn't do anything for you, and now they're making a sham of a guy that's a great coach in Brian Flores. And that's why he now has to go and sue the NFL. That's what I'm saying. That's why I had the problem with it. Always have had the problem with it. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yes, it needs to change. That's not the way to do it. And, incentive, and, and trying to put an incentive in front of teams to put a GM in place, well, if you have a homegrown guy, then you'll get two draft picks. Where do they do that at? Why do they do that? Why does a guy why, – why is a team going to get two draft picks because, they, because the other team hired a black guy from their team? They don't do that for white guys. Just, all we want is the playing field to be the same. That's all. We'll earn everything else. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. I don't need a handout. Okay, I'm listening to you. I mean, I'm just – because you're saying I'm not listening to you, so I'm just listening. Because well, when I pause in the conversation, that means it's time for you to talk. I know, but I was just I was, you know, just making sure. But even – let's say – um, was it is it Brad Powers, I want to say, the GM over in – in Detroit because he got hired from the Rams staff and then they, they the Rams do get those two draft picks that yep. you mentioned yep. because hey thank you the, basically the NFL is saying hey thank you Lions for right. hiring a black guy from exactly. the Rams exactly uh, yeah exactly now and how yes. does how does that look looks bad it looks bad thank it looks you. so bad that the NFL has to have those measurements in place like please hire some of these black candidates we'll give you a couple of draft picks exactly yes, it we'll, looks bad we'll give we'll bribe you to hire a guy yes it looks terrible looks terrible but we don't know of, of Brad. I don't know if his last name is Powers, but I do know his first name is Brad. But we don't know if Brad gets this job if maybe that rule isn't in place. And you want to think that it isn't. And I'm sure everyone in the Rams facility, their building, they are happy to see that he gets to be the head guy somewhere else. 
I'm sure so he does. People, yeah, people want to see him win. People could you imagine? Let me okay. Win. We got We got to take a break because we got to get to our our guests. But let me ask you this: Could you imagine if Lotus Broadcasting got like a whole bunch of money for hiring me as the program director? Could you imagine if they got some kind of big bump or some or like the state of Nevada sent them a fat check and said, "Oh, thank you for hiring a black guy." Could you imagine that? How embarrassing that would be. I'm just saying. Maybe you'd be okay with it. Maybe you'd be comfortable with it. I'll, bet, I'll tell you right now, if that was the case, I'd have turned the job down. I'd have turned the job down if that was the case. I shouldn't have to be an incentive. There shouldn't be an incentive in place to hire me or you or anyone else. 228 is the time. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to the Senior Bowl. Trevor Sykema, he's down there. He's talking about all things Senior Bowl, scouting all the players, talking to the coaches, talking to scouts. We'll talk to him next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. We can't get stopped now. 2.32 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look into the Senior Bowl. We've been talking a lot of Shrine Bowls. It's going to get kicked off at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Unnecessary Roughness will be in the building there. But uh, we definitely want to take a look into Mobile, Alabama. What's going on with the Senior Bowl? It's an all-star event that is just one of the most outstanding ones in the well in the league, the, the ones that are trying to get to the NFL. A lot of great players have come from the Senior Bowl and have had very successful careers in the NFL, including Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. And right now, Trevor Sycamore is joining us on the phone lines. And Trevor, we thank you so much for your time as always. And man, it's it's February, and so it's it's already pretty soon after the Super Bowl's over, we're gonna start talking about free agency and the draft. And so wanna get an early jump start on the draft and kind of what's the vibe there in uh, in Mobile? You know, is there I know there's a lot of teams represented, a lot of scouts and, and GMs there, but what's the early vibe that you're getting from uh, what you're seeing there at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, and, and I would say that the vibe is, is, is packed in here, man, whether it's GMs, head coaches, assistant coaches, basically any media that, uh, that you can name. They're all here. They're all here to watch this group of guys here in Mobile, Alabama, specifically the quarterbacks. That's where all eyes are right now. You have guys like Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, uh, Carson Strong, and Bailey Zappi. Those are the six quarterbacks that are here. And what we've been saying over the last couple of days leading up to this event, there is reason to pay attention to each one of these players every time. And a lot of people look at this quarterback class and they say, hey, it's a down year. Well, of course, right. I think that most, <laughs> most classes are down years compared to what we saw last year with five guys going in the top 15 from that position. But still, we know that the league is always starving for quarterbacks. The next quarterbacks uh, taking a chance on these guys, whether it's at the very top or there's just going to be sprinkled throughout the draft. And so as much as people say that it is a down year, and it might be, it's all still going to revolve around the quarterback position, how high you're taking them, um, you know, what, what you invest in them, how much weight you put into where they are drafted, what they're going to mean to your franchise, all of that goes into it. So all of these guys in the quarterback position, I think were the big headlines as we figured they were going to be after one day of practice. 
Yeah, you know, and Derek Carr, as I mentioned, I mean, he made a lot of headway, and he made he turned a lot of heads there in Mobile, Alabama, when he was part of the Senior Bowl many years ago, and right. it turned turned into a second round draft pick for the Raiders. So uh, good things could happen there in Mobile, Alabama. And out of those quarterbacks that you're looking at right now, who, in your opinion, do you think? Okay, this guy probably has uh, he can he can gain the most out of this uh, out of this week. Well, I think the guy that could gain the most is, is certainly Malik Willis. Like when you look okay. at the tools that he brings to the table, uh, not just with his arm, but also with his legs, he he is basically the prototype for what the NFL wants to be. He gives you that mobility, not just escapability in the pocket, but also the ability to pick up those extra couple of yards with his legs, getting first downs, extending drives. And then when you go a little further up, man, he's got a rocket of an arm. And I think that his arm strength definitely was able to stand out today. The issue his accuracy, and that's something that he's going to really have to prove. You know, when he was at Liberty, I, I don't know if I've watched a draft-eligible quarterback in the last couple of years that had to play behind a worst offensive line. I'm just being honest. <laughs> right, so right. To think of what Malik Willis could have been, or, or to think of, okay, we wanted to see him develop when he was in his second year at Liberty, it just wasn't going to happen. The offensive line, the offensive weapons, they were not good enough. So he's viewed as mostly a project quarterback at this point, but there are some that really believe in him as much as to be a first-round quarterback. And so I think that he definitely has the most to gain because he has the ability to prove that. And even if he just shows a little bit of improvement, a couple of big splash throws, he's going to get people suckered in because of everything else that he's at the table. So I would say that he probably, out of that group, has the most to gain. Talking right now with Trevor Sikama here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And, you know, I wanted to go through a couple positions that I know the Raiders are going to uh, have a need uh, one way or other, either draft or free agency, whatever you want to look at it. And I think the offensive line is definitely one of them. Are there a couple guys that could be there in Mobile that are offensive linemen that, that could gain a lot with this week of practice and maybe even be like day two guys, but guys that you think could be uh, big-time players in the league? Yeah, I think this is really shaping up to be a really good offensive line class, especially at offensive tackle. I mean, the guys that we have here at the Senior Bowl, Trevor Penning, Max Mitchell, Bernard Raymond, like those guys I think can really stand out and make some serious money for themselves, become those first-round picks and um, solidify themselves with a top-50 floor, I would say. But then you've also got guys on the interior, Darian Kennard, uh, Cade Mage is also here, former five-star guy. You've got Zion Johnson, who is working, uh, I saw, getting some center reps as well today. So there's a lot of versatility with these players. And, shoot, if the Raiders are looking for a guy at the top of the second round or something like that that they can draft early day two to kind of beef up that offensive line, there's a good chance that it might be one of the names that are here because it's a really, really talented offensive line class. When people talk about, hey, what's the strengths and weaknesses with this group of guys this year for the 2022 NFL draft, you've got to think that offensive line is one of the stronger positions. I was talking with another media member on the sideline earlier today, and we were rattling off that you can have seven or eight offensive linemen in this first round easy. So you oh, look nice. at a fourth of this offensive, uh, or uh, one-fourth of the first round could all be offensive linemen. That's the kind of caliber class that we're talking about here now is these earth-shattering, incredible, guaranteed Hall of Fame all-pro players. Right. Maybe not, but there are a lot of guys that you like that you can envision as starters in the NFL and also some players that could be swing tackles, reserve guys, players that can even get to that starter level. So I really just think that in the first three rounds of this draft, if you need an offensive lineman, you're going to be able to get one that I think will make you pretty happy. 
Wow, that's that's uh, that's big news right there. I mean, that really is. I mean, that that's the offensive line. You know, the trenches is where it's at, and so if uh, th- there's some folks that can get uh, some offensive linemen out of the Senior Bowl, that that's a big deal right there. Now, I always tell everyone that it's not about the the game, even though the game is fun to kind of see the showcase. But it's not about that. It's always about the week of practice. How big is that week of practice leading up to uh, to the game on Saturday? No, it's huge, and I think for a lot of these guys, getting the hands-on coaching from these NFL staffs is big because it puts them ahead of the curve once they do get drafted. Even if they're not getting drafted to the two teams that have their coaching staffs here, the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions, they're getting that kind of playbook. They're getting that kind of uh, a practice structure, what exactly NFL coaches are really looking for them, you know, that standard of NFL play, every good rep or have a bad rep, something that they need to improve upon. They're getting those answers to the test, if you will, a little bit early. I think that really goes a long way with these guys to come to all of these all-star events, really, when they get this hands-on coaching. And then another aspect that I think is huge for these players is, you know, a lot of them have been at these universities and these football programs for the last three to four years. They're in these structures, whether it's coaching staffs or players around them or scheme that they're operating in. They're in a structure they're very confident in, that they've been able to really ground their feet and play very well, especially as upperclassmen, as as juniors and seniors. And so being able to take them and kind of plop them into an environment that is new and unknown and also very talented, I think definitely speaks to how easily these guys can pick up not just the playbook, but chemistry with their teammates and playmaking ability that we see on the practice field. So ultimately, that is why I think the practices are huge, why the Senior Bowl is such an advantageous tool for a lot of these prospects. Talking right now with Trevor Sycamore here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon Cotton in the home studio has got something for you. Yeah, Trevor, you're talking about like all the week leading up to practice and the players getting measured. One thing that's been sticking out, and I've got to ask you about it, Kenny Pickett's hand size. How big of a deal <laughs> is hand size in the NFL for a quarterback, and why won't he get his hands measured? Yeah, so uh, this, is a, this is going to be a talking point that a lot of people are going to have to uh, have conversations about throughout the week. And, you know, with Kenny Pickett, it was kind of throughout the season. You know, he wears the two gloves, right? And that's kind of a that's kind of a, a little bit of a an eyebrow raiser, right there. Okay, why is he wearing the two gloves? And then the speculation kind of comes out. Okay, he's probably got small hands, and now he goes to the Senior Bowl and he doesn't even get his hands measured. And Tom Pelissero from NFL Network he he tweeted out, well, you know, there's a good reason why he didn't have it measured. It's because he's got a double jointed in his thumbs, and it's like, okay, well even if he figures out how to massage his thumbs like we've seen over the last couple of years with some of these guys who try to make their hands seem a little bit bigger, if he double-jointed his thumbs, then who cares? It's how he's going to play, right? And so, you know, it, it, there's, there's so many things that go into this, but I will say that if you take what people assume to be Kenny Pickett's hand size right now, which the, the number that is out there is eight and a fourth inches, there are zero QBs in the NFL that have that hand size or less. He would truly be unprecedented. Now, of course, people watch the tape and they go, what do I give a damn what his hand size is? We see the <laughs> tape. Okay, you're right. Obviously, the tape is king, and the guy clearly overcomes smaller hands, even whatever he is on the smaller size. But there's no doubt about it. When you have bigger hands, it is more advantageous. You get more grip on the football. You have security when people are batting at your arm as you're bringing it up to throw it. You get a tighter spiral. You often have more command of where it's going, better accuracy, more throw power, better spin on the ball and velocity. All of that naturally comes when you have bigger hands. So that's why you see the NFL have these thresholds, if you will, 
for hand size. I think, you know, a lot of teams have this nine and a fourth inches as their threshold to where if a quarterback has, has smaller hands than that, some of these teams take them off their board completely. And that's what brings an interesting case to Kenny Pickett because even if he doesn't have eight and a fourth inch hands, you know, at the combine, if he gets his hands measured and it comes out to be, you know, eight and five eighths or even nine inches, that's still smaller for a lot of teams. And that might take him off the board for a lot of these guys. And, and, and that's kind of a shame and a little crazy because I'd argue that Kenny Pickett has the best tape of, of a lot of these guys that's coming through this draft class. So that is, uh, you know, you asking that question, obviously you kind of say it with a laugh, but it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be talking about. And, and a big part of the conversation is him refusing to get his, or I won't shouldn't say refuse missile to abrasive, him, opting to not have <laughs> his hands measured here in Mobile. You, you know, it's funny. It's almost like Kyler Murray not wanting to get measured at his height, right? <laughs> Right. No, it's kind of a similar thing. And we look at Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray's one of the shortest quarterbacks in the NFL that's been a success story. And so, yeah, you, you, you never want to paint yourself as an outlier going into the draft process. Like, unique skill sets and things like that, obviously, that, that's kind of painted in a different light. But when you go into draft weekend, having to be an outlier to succeed in the NFL that goes such a long way into where teams ultimately draft you. Yes, it only takes one team to believe in you and to draft you high and to make that uh, a high draft selection, but you always want the deck stacked as much as you possibly can in your favor. And When you have something like that, normally measurable related, that scares teams off a little bit, it's just never ideal. So that's kind of why we are where we are with Kenny Pickett. All right, Trevor, I'm so glad that you joined us on the show today because I thought, you know, it'd be risky trying to get you on. You know, you seem to be in grieving. One of the greatest Tampa Bay Buccaneers of all time has announced that, <laughs> announced that he's retiring. Two great seasons from Tom Brady. What will be your lasting memories of Tom Brady and the era that he gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Oh, man, that just, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. Even to this day, you know, I'm, I'm from just south of Tampa, Florida, and uh, I got to cover the Buccaneers full-time as my first job, kind of really in the industry full-time. And uh, I covered the Jameis years. So I covered a lot of <laughs> the best years roller coasters <laughs> and everything. And so I got that full experience there. And, you know, even on a day like today, I've got a lot of friends who are still in Tampa. who are still big bucks fans and, you know, we're in group chats and it's kind of like, Hey, you know, how, how crazy is it to even think that Tom freaking Brady was a quarterback of the Buccaneers and then let alone him bringing them a championship. And so it's been a wild ride these past two years. The stars truly aligned for the bucks to be able to win that Super Bowl. Uh, certainly the, the crazy year that it was last year with, with the COVID season and, and winning it in their own stadium and uh, just the team that they were able to have and all the guys they were able to bring back. It was incredible. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I jokingly kind of said on Twitter that amongst Brady's incredible career accomplishments, he saved his best for last. And that, he, that, that was, he was somehow able to make believers out of Bucks fans again, that that franchise could be winners and actually put out a winner onto the field that uh, was at a championship level. And so it was an incredible two years, uh, obviously something that, that I'll never forget as a, uh, as a kid from just south of Tampa. So it was a lot of fun to watch over the last couple of years. And Trevor, before we let you go, it'd be bad if I didn't say, because defensive backs, you know, DBs win games. That's what I do believe. So uh, as far as the DBs that are there in uh, Mobile, Alabama, for the Senior Bowl, is there anybody in particular? I know Kobe Bryant is there from Cincinnati. He's a baller. Uh, Is there anyone that really stands out to you as a, hey, this could be a, a real deal player? Yeah, I thought that Kobe Bryant had a really great day. I thought the same with Roger McCreary. Those are two of the biggest named corners who are coming into the week. I thought they had really great day ones of practice. And really, it was just the DB group overall was 
locking down these wide receivers. And so, you know, it wasn't the strongest wide receiver class coming into Mobile. And so there's questions like, all right, are they just performing well because these wide receivers can't get off press, can't separate? Or are these corners really good? Well, I don't know what the exact answer to that question is, but I do know that they were locking them down all day today. So they were doing their job. This cornerback room is getting better and better. And as we see over the next couple of days, you guys are going to get to learn even more names and some players who are really standing out from that group. But I'm expecting a lot from them after day one. Nice. I like it. Well, like I said, DBs win games, so that's all that matters. The trenches and DBs. Let's go on and make that happen, right? That's that's the ones. Quarterbacks, whatever. DBs and, and the trenches. That's where it's at. Well, Trevor, great stuff as always, my man. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for, kind of updating what you got going on there at the Senior Bowl? Oh, man, everything over at PFF.com. We're going to be doing different live shows. We're going to be doing Twitter spaces. We've got recap articles. We've got highlights from social media. Man, we're going to be covering the Senior Bowl like nobody else is, and you can see all that stuff over at PFF.com. Nice. I like it. Well, great stuff, man. Enjoy your time. You do a great job uh, covering all the Senior Bowl and, of course, the draft work that you do as well. So we appreciate you. Enjoy your time. We'll talk to you soon. I right, appreciate you guys having me on. No doubt. There he goes. Trevor Sikama right there, Pro Football Focus. Uh, I, I like to go to him for a lot of things. NFL draft. We'll have him on many times leading up to that April 28th draft uh, here in Las Vegas. Another major event coming to Las Vegas this year. Uh, man, I just can't get enough of it. But, yeah, the draft is going to be fun. And a lot of guys that are participating at the Senior Bowl, a lot of guys that are participating at the Shrine Bowl will hear their names called April 28th, 29th, and 30th uh, of this year for the draft. And then other guys will go undrafted, but they'll also be signed to NFL teams. So it's exciting time of uh, of year 248 the time when we come back we'll take your calls and texts straight off that locked the locked on here we go again locked on raiders podcast voicemail line huh no it's the raider nation listener line 702-365-9200 and the salmon ash text line at 69187 keyword rnr this unnecessary roughness on raider nation radio 920 welcome back to unnecessary roughness, unnecessary roughness. here on raider nation radio 920 i'm gonna have to kick you you know what today here's your boy q 2.52 is the time. Not a lot of time left here in hour number one. Got John McClain from the Houston Chronicle coming up at 3 o'clock. Very excited to talk about talk to him. We got so much to talk to him about. But we also have some very patient callers on the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200, including our guy Craig out of Rochester, New York. What's on your mind, Craig? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, for sure. Q, I just want to say a quick congratulations on your journey. I've been with you a few years since back on lockdown, and Damon, you kill everything you do, so I just want to shout out to you guys real quick. Um, I just wanted to weigh in on your conversation a little bit with the Rooney rule. You know, I don't want to take sides by any means, but I think that um, there's a couple things that maybe would help you understand where Damon's coming from um, in terms of why it's there and what it's, you know, hopefully leading to. Um, basically, my, my view is, you know, the end goal is to not have a Rooney rule. That, that would show some sort of success. Um, but, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. We, we, it's not going to be perfect. There are going to be organizations, there are going to be franchises and individuals who, you know, interview for the wrong reason rather than the right reason. But overall, the biggest thing I think is the psychological aspect. There truly is some psychology behind the exposure um, these GMs, these owners, you know, they're not going to be here forever. We look at our, our new hire, Ziegler. He's a 45-year-old man. Um, he came from an outside spot. You know, this stuff is it's very fluid. Um, so the psychology behind, you know, getting the exposure and just seeing, you know, say Josh McDaniels, the Rooney rule has been in his entire career. So, you know, that's it's not it's maybe different for him than some some older people that are, you know, older guys that own teams and stuff. But, 
um, you know, the more exposure you get, the more, you know, you are able to change the way you think and your perspectives over time. You know, if you have to make these um, Rooney rule requirements year after year, um, you know, they may have small, small changes. And like DeMond said, you know, 5, 10, 20 years, they don't happen in the blink of an eye. But with this prolonged exposure, you know, people have the opportunity to kind of change the way they're thinking, maybe say, oh, that candidate, you know, brought something to the table that I had no idea was coming. Cool. Did you just bring him down? Okay. All right. Yeah, good stuff, my man. Uh, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong. My basic thing is that I just hate the fact that there has to be a rule and that it gets made um, more of a checklist than it is, you know, an actual interview more times than not. But you, you got a lot of good points there, and uh, hopefully 20, 30 years from now, maybe there won't need to be a rule. But uh, that's why I love the, the Raiders, and that's why I love what their organization did because they never needed a rule. Let's go out real quick to Big Deuce. And, again, thank you so much for your call, Craig. Big Deuce, what's on your mind? What's up, QMD Ump and Junkyard Dog Damon? <laughs> Hope you all doing well. We're blessed. Um, I I don't. The only comment I got about the Rooney Rule is anytime you get some old rich white folk together, there's something dirty going on behind the scenes. That's just my opinion. Um, my biggest thing is I want to know what's going on with this Perryman thing, man. I heard the. I think it was Greg Scott or somebody comment on how we could save three million getting rid of him. Yeah, that was a, why that was, are they even talking about that? That was a bleacher report. Thank you for the call. That was good stuff. I'm glad you you mentioned that too because I I didn't even have that in my notes to bring up today. Uh, yeah, that was a bleacher report um, article that basically showing how the Raiders could save money in the um in, in, on their dra- not their draft but in their their um salary cap and one of the ways of saving money was to release Denzel Perryman and I, I remember seeing uh, Perryman like tweet it out and say. Oh, yeah, I just saw this or something. And, you know, there's some other guys. Trayvon Mullen was another guy that he was talking about. I don't know what the gist of that article or what the point of that article was right now to bring up outside of just talking about how they can save some, some capital. But uh, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get that either. I was with you on that. That was very confusing. Uh, and clearly Denzel Perriman didn't either when he saw it on Twitter. So uh, that, was, that was weird. And I, uh, I respect everyone who does what they do in every outlet, news outlet. Uh, but I know that Bleacher Report, uh, for some of the people that write for Bleacher Report, you don't take as seriously as others. Like Mo Moten does a fantastic job for Bleacher Report. Great job. His work is uh, – it speaks for itself. I don't, I don't have to brag on it. And then there's others that are just like, eh, okay. You know, it's, 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 really, it's really weird. And a lot of times that, that website is a launching point for some guys, like a Matt Miller who's really good at the draft. I used to have him on my radio show every single week. Now I can't even get him on the phone. <laughs> you know, because he just blew up, and, and that's credit to him. He blew up, and so uh, now it's hard to get a hold of guys like that. But it's just it, it's really weird why why Greg would put out that that uh, piece that he did today. And so uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Big Dude, so I do appreciate you. 2.57 is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number two of the show. We'll talk to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. We'll talk all things NFL. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.